You're listening to the iconic Scottish Brands Podcast. Uncovering the magic with Finn, Linz and Ron. Produced by Fresh. So here we are talking about iconic Scottish brands with the um, trio, Ron, Finn and Linz. That's me. Um, and we're really going to just try have a chat about what we think iconic brands are, uh, the magic behind them, what makes them magic, what makes them iconic. And we're going to talk about our favourite iconic Scottish brands and try and um, pass that magic over to each other for a start and um, for anybody else that's um, listening as well. So... Here we go. What what makes an iconic brand? What are the metrics of success of an iconic brand? Let's go. Well, that's a good question, Lindsay. I was hoping you were going to answer that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm deferring to the expert in the, in the area. Nobody. Well, from my point of view, there are two words there is brand and iconic. <clears throat> I, I would posit that brands are about value and different elements of value for different players. Um, Traditionally, we look at value from the consumer's point of view. Uh, And the iconic, I would say iconic means it becomes different. It becomes um, uber popular and it becomes a bit meaning transfer that it automatically stands for something. Uh-huh. So, so when you add those two things together, suddenly the value of, of the brand is accelerated. Uh, so so the, it's a great thing if one says, well, your brand is iconic because it's in some way or ways it stands out uh, and becomes different. And also there's normally a legacy and a longevity to that, that over time that has an authority, if you will. So, so those are some of the things that's, that would spring to mind for me. Finley, what, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a really interesting word, isn't it? Because it's got so many different meanings yeah. and it's used in so many different ways. But I think in the brand context, it's almost what a really good brand and then the, the common understanding of brand in terms of the yeah. visual identity and what that should do so it's a it's a great trigger it almost doesn't need any further explanation because the visual the icon or the the, the yeah. logo if you like brings with it so much information um with it whether it's heritage or story um, so yeah. I guess that's where we're trying to get to with, with brands. Um, I've got maybe slightly provocative one because it's like, well, is there positive and negative connotations with something that can be iconic? That's right. I like, I like what you're saying. I mean, a lot of the... <clears throat> so the brand I picked was Iron Brew. We'll get to that. Oh, actually, actually, that was the brand I wanted to pick, Ronnie. Oh, I see. <laughs> but the, the reason I picked that relates to what Finley was saying. It was that kind of share of mind, share of heart mm. uh, idea that that was the first one that came to mind. And it's the one 
Scottish brand that occupies, if you will, uh, in terms of mental turf or real estate uh, within my mind, and also the, the emotional connect with it. So I think Finley's right that the classic idea of the symbol of the brand and, and what it means, oh. the meaning transfer, as I said, if, if you get that right, you know, it's almost a home run because yeah. suddenly, uh, and Finley and I have talked about this and, and Lindsay and I a little bit, that the brand becomes iconic, yes, in the, in the world uh, with the external environment because, for example, maybe many people are using it and recognize it, but it really becomes iconic because of how people think and feel about it. Yeah, but you see, that's the thing because when I told you, what my brand was going to be, which is the Isle of Harris gin, you said, you I don't go. even know what that brand is. So is it important for the brand to be recognisable, for it to be iconic? Or, you know, is it iconic to me and that's enough, and then you don't know about it, and it doesn't matter? So yeah. um, that's kind of like, a, a, you know, a question I was asking myself when I chose that brand. Does it really, because yeah. if you Google iconic brands, what comes yeah. up? Apple, yeah. Google, Coca-Cola, yeah. that's, you know, the truly, and the Scottish ones, I don't know if you, you like, yeah. you've done that, but the Scottish ones are, are quite restricted as well in terms of brands. So, yeah. that's an interesting um, point, I think, about it have to be really that widely recognised to be iconic. Well, I, it's interesting what you're saying, and it does relate um, to Iron Brew. Iron Brew is iconic here. Mm. So the cultural context, I mean, if, if you ask someone in Denmark, <clears throat> what about this iconic Scottish brand? They, they don't know what it is. Mm. You know? yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that there are territories, a lot of what makes Iron Brew iconic and they've done several things with it, but more recently is, is the, the leveraging of the humor uh, associated with it. And I mean, it, a lot of the advertising and the positioning of the brand became self-reflexive and they made a fool of Coca-Cola and so on. So the, but the humor is, is local to, to certainly Glasgow, if not Scotland. And that's not going to travel much further than that. So that whether the brand becomes an icon, it's, it's in terms of, uh, I think, yes, that the, the audience, the desired audience, has to be uh, firstly aware of it, has to comprehend it, and then consider it, you know, yeah. in terms of buying it. So the, the gen example you give, maybe I'm not the, the audience for that. Or not yet. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the important point. So you're you're almost segmenting the market, aren't you? You know, you, there's there's some absolute global icons which you listed at first there, Lindsay. You know, with the Google search. But actually, if you're acting or thinking as a brand manager, well, a lot of the time, you know, you're trying to be iconic towards your. Um, significant market yeah. as you say Ronnie and sometimes you just accept well um, you're not in our target audience so I really don't need to be 
iconic. That's maybe understating the the yeah. use of the word. Yeah. Um, but if you are into gin or specifically craft gin or Scottish craft gins, which is you know pretty significant, then um, I love Harris gin. Then I think you could say yes, it's iconic. Yeah, I think it comes nice words there in terms of significance. It's, it's, it's whether or not it's relevant. I mean, a lot of the big iconic global brands, Coke, will align with kind of meta themes that, you know, peace, love, happiness, McDonald's yeah, yeah, and so yeah. on. So these are generic one-size-fits-all things yeah. that everyone can tap into, whereas... Other brands become iconic because they're specialized and yeah. they're nuanced and they're boutique and they're for a particular they, they also They also, sorry, Roy, to cut in, but they also link into their authenticity into their roots, I think, as well. And that's what yeah. Scottish iconic brands, I think, do. They're much more yeah. cultural in terms of the Scottish, you know, aspect of it. And Iron Brew does that very, very well. They, they do. I mean, in Iron Brew positioned himself in the Glasgow shipbuilding yeah. thing for years with the kind of hard man, the rugged. The girders. Yeah, made, you know, made in Scotland by girders. And I, I have an iron brew sample here. It's empty. It's <laughs> that, was that, is that because you, is that, was that helping your hangover this morning? Well, there, there is also that if you want to get <laughs> truthful about iron brew's authenticity, it's a hangover cure. But and really, this is on the back of the packaging. The essence of iron brew brewed in Scotland since 1901 to a secret recipe of 32 flavours with a spirit that's as bold as its taste. You can't describe it because there's nothing like it. And I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, it kind of plays on the heritage. Why, like, um, what they've done is they they play on this you know, early twentieth century heritage, but yeah. they've managed to totally modernise or keep it really contemporary. Yeah, um, and they did that through the late twentieth century into early twenty first century really really well. Yeah. Um, and I don't think many brands have have managed to kind of bridge that. So. I know I've told you guys what I wanted to bring to the table, and it's interesting that it's all food and drink offerings. Um, yeah. So Walker's shortbread. No, no, no Finley, we, we knew that before we started. It was always going <laughs> to. That's not a you know like a, a happy happening. That's you know we had planned that, of course. Yes, yes. Well, there you go. I mean, that's certainly a strong sector, and I think if you asked. Um, for people out with Scotland to name certain sectors, certainly food and drink is going to be up there. Um, would learning and education be one? That's a, that could be another one, or financial services. But yeah. so my my brand that I'm bringing to the table is um, Walker's Shortbread, right. and they play on you know a similar sort of um, late Victorian era heritage and origins. They play on the Scottish. Um, even older heritage, Body Prince Charlie, uh, Flora MacDonald, and so on. Mm -hmm. But what they have not been able to do is modernise it. Great yeah. product. You know, the biggest um, Scottish uh, food export, absolutely, you know, hat off to them, over £100 million turnover and all the rest of it. But 
and this is when I mentioned the kind of negative icon that yeah. actually we talk about the shortbread tin in a negative way when yeah. we talk about yeah. um, brand Scotland and how Scotland is maybe yeah. seen or how we promote ourselves. And so we actually use, you know, the tartan shortbread tin as a, as a negative yeah. icon. Yeah. Um, but walkers, it works for them. Um, so. Because yeah. it's very, very old-fashioned, very old. I mean, you're right, they haven't been able to bridge that because they've never kept, they've never, they, you know, that sort of Scottish tartan thing, which is really yeah. so passe now, in terms of even kilts are not even tartan anymore, yeah. um, in terms of their, you know, the design. Uh, they've, they've just not moved on at all. So in some ways, it's just like, you know, they, they've just not been able to bridge that. So that's one of the things that links to my mm-hmm. brand, because... The Isle of Harris Gin is very iconic in terms of its packaging. So that's one of the things. In fact, if you go onto their website, you'll see they've got an iconic bottle, which is in the shape of a, they've got a, a really um, uh, creative advertising agent to come up with this, the, the design of it, which is like waves. So, you know, always linking back to their, to their roots in terms of where they're, where they're from, with the blue of the sea and the sky. And, um, and they've got, you know, points of uh, modernity in their in their 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 bottle which they've taken on to a brand extension with glasses and and etc and they've really made quite a big business and the important aspect of of them is that actually it's a whiskey distillery so this is their byproduct which is actually becoming kind of you know if you if you talk to gin lovers i think the isle of harris gin is probably uh, one of those um you know, products that, that people will know, as you said, everything yeah. it's craft and it's, you know, it's a, um, but really we're waiting for their real product, which is the whiskey. And one of my questions was, wow, you know, they've been able to create this iconic brand with a gin. Is it going to, is it going to transfer into the whiskey or is that going to be completely, you know, different, which is a quite, quite an interesting question, I think. Yeah. Before we've been there, I think you both said a lot of great things about kind of, anchoring into the past but but also being relevant and contemporary in, in emerging markets it's what a lot of brands try and do i mean and coke did it and with the share of coke campaign because coke was i wouldn't say no longer relevant but it was no longer relevant to particular audience so with aligning with social media and you know the share of coke campaign they kind of revitalized it and i think you're right i mean the 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 packaging, particularly in beverage, I mean, Absolute Vodka is a great case study in terms of taking the, the semiotic and the shape of the bottle. Because vodka was perceived to be Russian and it was only Russian. You know, it certainly wasn't Swedish. And it certainly wasn't made from tatties. But I mean, Absolute, absolute sorry, uh, utilized, again, a similar technique by, you know, it's like a signature shape that immediately is recognizable and they also used a silhouette of that across different cities to say it was a global product and and, and so it goes on but i think the packaging has an awful lot to do with it and one thing that came back when we're talking about iron brew and and how we set this up i think that one of the things that makes things iconic is that they're somehow slightly elusive that there is a magic to it, there is a charisma that's not in a formula, 
it's uh, almost, uh, Finlay and I have talked about the idea of a mythology around a brand. You, you can manufacture some of that mm. and hope that people view it and interpret it in a particular way. But very much like people, particular brands can exhibit uh, this kind of, uh, you know, it, it's, it, there's a specialness about the brand. It's, it's hard to put your finger on. It's a mix of all of those things. Yeah. It's not just one of those things. Yeah. But what you what you said as well about um, you know standing for I think it's important that the brands stand for something like they're 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 you know if they have an authenticity in terms of how they view their community how they approach that. Yeah. Um, and you said was it Coca Cola stands for love and peace and and, yeah. and kind of all that, which is like a global thing. But then if you're looking at, for example, the, the Isle of Harris Gin, they have, you know, they look at, um, uh, in their community, the Harris Tweed, so they've linked with that, and they've asked people to come up with a special design for that, and the, the you know, people who emigrated from Harris in the, in the you know, in, in the last century, sure. people who have descended from that, etc. So they're very much linked with community projects, etc., as well, which makes them, you know, link into that that aspect of things as well. So maybe the global thing you can only have, you know, like Coca Cola. They can't be too local because they're global. And then yeah. somebody like Isla Paris Gin is very local, so maybe can't be as global. If you see what I mean, so it kind of works. Yeah, in yeah the the, na the nature of it and it's, if you will, the ingredients of its success. Kind of like Finley's shortbread tin, there's a tipping point where that creates challenges if you're going to scale it, yeah. how people view and interpret it. But, the, but I mean, that's an important point in terms of buying good conscience off the shelf, that, 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 that it's an ethical brand and so on, that there are other values there. I mean, the, cha the challenge is that the gin market is flooded, every market is flooded. And then that the competition will do similar things. I think that one of the, the things you talked about in terms of the the design and the packaging that will be unique and singular. So there ha there has to be elements that are singular, uh, like the Iron Brew. You know, uh, nothing else tastes like it. You know, mm. it's a, a lot I think of the packaging is sorry, yeah. only go running up. No, no, I mean, I, I was going to say a lot, you, there has to be something that is singular that, that you then build upon. I think that the, the truly iconic brands have a, have a very unique value somewhere in there, and then you can package and position and storytell on top of that. Um, and some, some of them classically are, are icons because they were first, they were pioneers. And then everyone else imitates them. But the 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 thing that you're picking up on, Lindsay, it's it's very much like uh, you know the 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 point of production, like Highland Spring and so on. That that it's from a particular place. So that in itself, and the water there and the process, yeah, unique. Sorry, Finley, on you go. No, I, I was going. I was going to come back to the distinctiveness of of that bottle, which I think um, does a lot of what you're talking about. But 
I just wanted to pick up on the the place. So using the Isle of Harris and the specific projects, but what we think of in even as Scottish consumers about the islands, the Outer Hebrides, or just islands in general. Yeah. Um, but where does that sit within this wider brand Scotland? Mm. And if you contrast that with the brand that I've brought to discuss, Walkers. Yeah. And maybe if we have a few of these conversations and we bring different Scottish brands to talk about, we're going to understand that there's multiple brand Scotlands and there's this much more contemporary brand that is evolving or being created yeah. with the likes of the Isle of Harris um, and is leaving walkers behind, to be honest, and probably the old distillers, the Glenfiddich, the Glenlivet, which plays on the, the stag, the, the tartan, the, you know, that old mythology, if you like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, no, that, that, that is really interesting. I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, but I think you're right. But the, And the other thing I thought about in terms of that is, I mean, Harris is, a, is an island of 2,000 people live in Harris. Uh -huh. And 40 of them are employed in the Isle of Harris distillery, which is quite a big, you know, percentage uh -huh. uh, in terms of what it's doing. But of such a small island, and there's many, many Scottish islands, obviously, as we know, and distilleries that are in all these Scottish islands. But yeah. um, to have a, an island which has got, the, so the Harris Gin, which is not so well known, but everybody's heard of Harris Tweed for sure. Yeah. And, you know, to have such, such these brands, I thought, what, you know, it's very, what is it about Harris that's making it, you know, produce these kind of, um, kind of, you know, being at the forefront of these, these specific brands. And, and I mean, the, the, their social media and their communication is, is really, really strong in terms of, because they use many different channels, they storytell, they have journals, they communicate. And I checked all their and their social media in terms of um, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And they don't do this thing of doing the same story, just putting it into all the different channels. It's right. basically they adapt whatever they're doing and they have different lines for yeah, different yeah. social media. And I think that's pretty, pretty um, impressive as well in terms of, you know, yeah, how, and yeah. I don't know what Walker Shortbread, for example, do in social media. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't actually go into to that and it's not, somebody that I follow to be honest this was really just a little exercise for this conversation but um, even a quick analysis of the website and the way they present you know quite a nice um, corporate film on YouTube which is embedded into their website even that is fairly traditional it's very much about selling the product so here's the factory and we have an outlet in the US which is obviously a big market and, and it's very much about how do we sell this product rather than engaging with the consumers in a kind of emotional way. It's not really led by brand. It's very much led by product, um, which sounds like it's quite different. And, yeah. uh, and again, this is a, an insight into this much more modern, a more modern Scottish brand, to be honest, that you've yeah. identified there. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like they, as Finley rightly says, they, they've got, in what you described, Lindsay, they've got a, you know, a smart, there's a lot of thinking went into how how they interface and connect with the audience. Yeah. 
to just learn how do we sell this. And also the other thing is what you said, uh, Ronnie, about, you know, that sort of like USP, that unique selling point that it has to have. Um, And I think you have to have a bit of excitement and a bit of sexiness as well. And, you know, where's the sexiness in Walker's Scottish shortbread? (laughs) Well, maybe that's for another conversation. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a kind of an insight into their product mindset in that they just keep sort of stretching the product offering. And to be fair to them, they they have that's evolved a little bit. Um, But but there's no sort of depth gone into the thinking of the actual brand to 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 let that evolve or or modernise. But yeah, there's 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 maybe some sexiness in there, you know, somewhere. Yeah, I mean, the, the sexiness, the, this idea of attraction, I think it's it's very important. And what you'll find is that iconic brands, there's a magnetism to mm. them, that you are attracted to them for a variety of reasons. One of the things that works, I wouldn't necessarily say Iron Brew is sexy, but it's a, there's an attraction. I mean, they, they have, and it's well documented that they've positioned it as a kind of maverick uh, trickster archetype where they're poking fun at the, um, the establishment, the system. So that's, I mean, that, that will resonate. The other thing is that um, a lot of its equity comes from the street because you see a lot of usage of the product. So you, you're constantly reminded and reinforced that the, the, the audience uh, has accepted this and it's, it's, it means a number of things. It's a hangover cure. It means I'm proud to be Scottish. It's this, it's that, it's the next thing. It's funny, it's irreverent and so on. But that, that reinforces it. And it's very much, you know, that's very much like, and also why the, the packaging of the gin has to be recognizable so that, so that it has equity and usage uh, when you see others using it. Because a lot of the time, the, the, I would argue that consumers will adopt and they will champion particular brands because, because others do also. Inversely also because I want to step away from it because I, I don't want to be in, in that particular tribe, but it, it's equally uh, as important. So, so the design aspect, you know, and I know it's just one part of it and we talked about emotional connect and so on, but the fact that you are primed and it's recognizable, either virtually or, or physically, is hugely, hugely important. The, the other thing as well with uh, I, coming back to my brand yeah. is that um, the, the distribution of it is very specific because they, they yeah. don't, um, they, you can only buy it either from the distillery online or they send it to a click and collect to kind of iconic, uh, yeah. you know, shops or, or, or people. So there's no, and they, they sell it in bars as well. So it's very, very particular in terms of it. So it's not widely, you know, you can't buy it in the supermarket and you can't buy it anywhere else. And that's built up its kind of reputation as well, I think. Yeah, and I think that's riffing on what I was just saying. It's going it's at the other end of that spectrum that the, 
exclusivity of it in terms of access becomes part of the experience, becomes part of the iconography, if you will, uh, associated with it. It makes it special. I don't know if you you may have bought a bottle or two <laughs> limbs and have have you seen how you can track the bottle as it leaves the island? Uh, it's really quite experiential. So there's a journey there. So Harris is coming to you, uh -huh, uh -huh. and and then the packaging. You know, we get to this amazing bottle, which there's the story of the island within that. But even before that, there's the lovely box, the tissue paper. You know, that's all quite evocative as well. So um, yeah. th there's a lot of really interesting stuff good in there. Yeah. That doesn't just happen by chance. I think what no. we're realizing is there's a really strong team there that, that understand all of this and they've, they've yeah. practiced really effectively. Yeah. So are you an aficionado? Finley as well of the Harris gin. Of, of, of packaging and, and brand experience. Um, my gin tasting days are gone. I think that's an important point that you're making, Finley, with the, all of those touch points as opposed to going into Tesco's and buying it off the shelf. Yeah. So, I mean, it, that normalizes it. So I think that uh, if the, the experience becomes uh, slightly enhanced too, because I, I don't think you're selling gin. I think you're selling all of those things. No. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. You're not, you're not selling gin to, to, well, you're selling gin to sell because you like the product, but you can buy hundreds of gins. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it has, to, it has to have that extra... Um, you know, that extra link and you have to buy in. It's absolutely what we've been talking about. You have to buy in. You have to become a, you have to believe their story. Well, and I mean, the, the thing is that their story melds with your story because, you know, I believe that the, the brands become, it's almost symbiotic, that they become an extension of self. So, so that that brand that you have chosen and it maybe is, you know, not not to analyze your iconography, Lindsay, but it's the idea that, it, well, it's not run-of-the-mill, that it, that it is special, it is from a particular place, it is ethically. And it, all of those things align with values that, that you have. Therefore, there's a goodness of fit. Uh, so that brand becomes um, the, the one that resonates with you as opposed to, I don't know, Gordon's jet. Yeah. And in commercial terms, I think it's quite astute that they've just moved where they compete because, it, yeah. um, you know, with the market leaders, Gordon's, if you go into Tesco's, into the traditional yeah. place, then commercially it's a lot harder to get shelf space to compete on price. Yeah. Um, and so what oh, yeah. they said is, no, this is special because you even buy it in special places, you consume it in special places. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's 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 a lot of elements in it. So is is it more expensive this gin? Uh, I think no, I think it's priced the similarly to other um, to other gins, but obviously because you're you're um, having to purchase it online, etc., it does come out a little bit more expensive, and because of that, um, yeah. you know, you get this the extra um, price related to the to the packaging, etc. So sure, sure. So, 
and the other thing is they've, they've, what they've done that they're obviously very quick at jumping onto you know opportunities because what are they doing now they're producing hand sanitizers right. to, you know to um, send to the nhs and and to purchase that so you can purchase that online now as well oh. yeah. so forward forward thinking i think is the is the word yeah. iconic perhaps perhaps not but definitely forward thinking yeah. Well, I think the icons also, I mean, and, and this relates to my lack of experience with the brand, but if you think icon, you know, Elvis Presley's an icon, mm. John Lennon's an icon, and so it goes, where, where you immediately have a, a representation in your mind's eye. Mm. And I can, you know, it's, it's much more mundane, but uh, with Iron Brew, you can see that, you know, yeah. uh, Coke, you can see it. And to, and to the, uh, a degree, uh, certainly the walkers with, with the shortbread, you know, I would say you one, yeah, I got, I got that there. So, you, get the image, you get the image in your mind and that's the yeah. important thing. Whereas with mine, I've had to persuade you for half an hour. <laughs> well, I, no, I, I think it, it brown, relates but, to, uh, it just relates to also, yeah. So... Um, do we want to have a do we want to have a competition at the end to say whose brand was most iconic? Do we think? Well, it's it's hard to judge. Friendly was Friendly's a fair judge. Well, it, no, it's not hard to judge, Ronnie, because there's three of us, and uh, we can vote. <sighs> uh, I I think we'll have to spend more time on our definition of uh, iconic and. Yeah. Um, Let's maybe lay down the lay down the metrics so we can maybe have a slightly more theoretical part to the to the podcast. Um, and towards the end of the series, we might then be able to build up a league table. Um, yeah, a bit like Top Gear. What do you think? Yeah, first indications are that Iron Brew was fast. We, we could we could give the brands points out of ten each of us, and then then we could have a league table. Then at the end, like just like Top Gear, that sounds good. There you go. There you go. Good idea. Any closing comments, Finley Cam? Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to next couple of episodes, finding the magic in Scottish iconic brands. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's it really in a nutshell. Thanks, cool. Well, I enjoyed it. And thank you both for the deep smarts. And I'll have to try your gin, Lindsay. Maybe you'll send me some. <laughs> maybe maybe next time we meet face to face, Ronnie, I can yeah. buy you. Uh, we go. go to a gin bar if they ever open again. Ever. There you go. Uh, there that's go. a cool that's idea. Finally, you're obviously invited as well. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, enjoyed that, guys. Okay.